the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. So we didn't think we were going to have to do this, but here we are. Welcome to a special therapy edition of the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the stadium scene, .tv network, and part of the Overtime Media crew. Normally, when I have my lovely guest, Peter HBK of Life and Repeat on, I'm ready to crack a beer. But this time, I brought up the hard stuff. I got some nice Captain and Coke on me right now to talk all things Toronto Raptors with Peter HBK himself. Peter, how you doing, man? Adam, 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 Adam. (laughs) This is a safe space, right? This is our safe space, yes. So this is a safe space, right? So, fuck (laughs) off. Not really. He won us the title. I love Kawhi, but really, Adam, between you and me, fuck Kawhi. Damn. Damn. It's gotten to that point, huh? Yeah, you know, it's, 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 <laughs> I, I don't know how I feel, you know, like there's that, it's, it's funny. I was, I was, when I found out Saturday, I was sitting down to, to write. I wanted to figure out how I felt about all this. And I wrote a bunch of stuff and then I came back to it and I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm all over the place with this. And one paragraph, I'm like, well, of course he wanted to leave. He just wanted to go home. You know, he owes us nothing. He won us a title. He was professional, never made a stink. Um, If he was unsatisfied here, he didn't say a word. He went about his business. And you couldn't have asked for more considering how some free agents act or people under contract act in the NBA. Then there's also part of me that's like, damn, our title defense lasted 22 days. (laughs) Fuck Kawhi. We (laughs) needed to defend this title. You know what I mean? Like, a championship is not just the spoils of the moment. It's the spoils for the whole year. You walk into opposing arenas as the defending champion. You walk into our, what was supposed to be our Christmas day game as the defending champion. The playoffs come, you defend the title. If Kawhi would have stayed, we would have been the odds on favorite for a repeat, but now he's gone. Things are in flux, and it could be a very sad night when we hang the banner. Like, who's going to be there? Like, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson? Is is this who we're supposed to cheer on when we're hanging the banner? Like, everything is in flux. But on the other side, I get it. Man, he wanted to go home, made a big decision. So essentially, Adam, I realized I was going through in the span of 24 hours the seven stages of grief, and I'm still going through it. And I hit rock bottom the other day when I was like, maybe we trade Lowry, get Andrew Wiggins, you know, bring him home. Maybe there's nothing wrong with Wiggins. You know, maybe he just needs to play at home and he with a good organization. So that was my level of despair. That's how low I got. You you really need this today. I'm glad we're doing this. Um, look, <laughs> we can't escape it, Adam. It's we the can't... life of a Raptors fan. We win a title. We're still doing a therapy session. <laughs> And, you know, it's it's strange because everything that we've said throughout the entire season, you know, the reasons that we have given for him to stay, the reasons why we thought he would stay around, it's almost revisionist history now, right? Now we have to sort of analyze that again and wonder, are we 
inevitably in this state of doom, in the state of flux when it comes to megastar superstars. Um, that's something I want to get into a little bit later. Right now, I want to discuss how this unfolded for you. Um, I mentioned on the previous show, I was up, I'm usually up like around 4.30, 5 o'clock anyway. Um, I'm in bed, I roll over at like 5 o'clock, and I see so many Twitter alerts, so many ESPN alerts, Kawhi Leonard to the Clippers, Paul George to the Clippers, I'm just like, this has to be a dream. This has to be a dream right now, and you know, I'm reading through all the the tweets and the notifications, I'm like, okay, I'm up, here we go. So I really didn't get an opportunity to digest the entire situation when uh, Jordan and I recorded the the last podcast. And that's not to take anything away from the conversation. It was just now that I've had a few days to to simmer on it, I can come to a little bit more of an emotional conclusion regarding the the move and regarding the Raptors void of Kawhi Leonard. But I kind of wanted it to I, I wanted to discuss how this unfolded for you because what I did notice is that when this did you know go off early in the morning I was specifically looking for you and to see how you were going to respond to this and it wasn't until later in the day that you sort of went guns blazing on Twitter so I wanted you to give you the opportunity to tell me how this unfolded for you and emotionally how did you digest this initially so yeah like you were saying I I I let my feelings or opinions be known later in the day, which was which was me holding back even. So I'll, I'll tell you, it's actually an interesting story. Sure. So I woke up, not in the middle of the night, I woke up around like 7 a.m. to just, I, I, my full intention was to go back to bed. I just wanted to get like a glass of water, right? Mm-hmm. And I get out to the living room and I notice my wife, she's sitting on the couch looking comfortable. She's got her laptop open. She's reading. She sees me. She gives me a big smile. She kind of knows that I'm, I'm going to go back to bed for probably like another half hour, hour or so, right? And I remember walking past her, going back to the bedroom after getting my glass of water. And I see that she's she's wearing a Life and Repeat t-shirt, which oh, nice. is, is not promotion, which it, maybe it is. Get your own <laughs> Life and Repeat t-shirt. Hit me up. But it's, it's odd for me to see my wife wearing the Life and Repeat t-shirt. She'll wear it maybe once in a while. Me, I wear it all the time. Sure. So I, I, I made a mental note of that, and then I went to bed, and I, I woke up maybe a half hour later, an hour later, around 8.30, and I first thing I do, I look at my phone, and texts are coming in like, He's a clipper. Kawhi's gone. He's oh, gone. No. And I'm like, what? So I'm up immediately. I leave my bedroom. I go into the living room. My wife is still there. And I'm like, babe, Kawhi left. And this is how amazing, this is how great and kind my wife is. My wife was like, I know, I knew when you came out at 7 a.m., but I <laughs> I wanted you to have another, however long more you were going to sleep of hope or not feeling sad that Kawhi left. and. She gave me a big hug, and I was like, "Oh my God, I can't believe I left!" And I was like, "Babe, why are you wearing my t- Why are you wearing my T-shirt? Why are you wearing the Life and Repeat T-shirt?" She's like, "Well, I figured if you were going to get such bad news, you might feel five percent less bad if someone were <laughs> you were getting a hug from someone wearing your own logo." And she was right. She was right. It, it lessened the pain. So <laughs> as soon as I found that out, I, obviously you go online, you start reading Woj's stuff, you read Zach Lowe's article, you read stuff by Ramona. Sh- uh, Shelbourne, and then you're just reading everything on Twitter. I'm letting it soak in in me, and then it's just like, fuck, like, 
damn, I thought his daughter enrolled in a Toronto private school. Yeah. Didn't he just buy an estate in the Young and York Mills area? I thought Jalen Rose was 99% sure he was going to stay. What the fuck was that MLSE plane doing going to San Diego? Like, you start questioning all these breadcrumbs that we thought were the clues that he was saying. And I thought Ramona Shelburne said in her piece perfectly, Kawhi was a blank slate. Whatever you were feeling, you sort of projected onto him. So I wanted him to stay. So he's getting boxes in Yorkville because he's staying, right? You could read anything. Lakers fans, look up fans. Oh, he's getting boxes because he's, he's packing his ass. He's going home. Like you could kind of project what you wanted onto him. And then stuff kept trickling out throughout the day. And it slowly hit me, I think on Sunday where it was like, man, we weren't, we weren't really ever an option. Were we? Mm. That's what I kind of concluded. I think we were third on the pecking order, and it seemed he was hell-bent on going to the Clippers. He, he used his, the leverage that a player like him can use, and he made that deal happen. And then there was the rumors that maybe they were approaching Masai Ujiri about a potential deal. How true is that? We can discuss that later. But that's how I kind of came to find out about it. Well. If anything, big ups to your wife for letting you have that extra hour or so of sleep in in Kawhi Bliss right there. That's exactly that's some that's some cool ass shit right there. So props to your wife. Um, <laughs> I do remember uh, reading reports, and we can sort of jump into this too. Um, reading reports of Kawhi basically using, or maybe not Kawhi, maybe it was just the Clippers and Kawhi, I don't know. But it just seemed that in the end, the Raptors were used as leverage and he didn't really have an interest in coming back. And that's sort of unpacking what you just said. And it's weird to me because, you know, we've, all right, I'm not trying to say this is Masai's fault. I'm not trying to say that Masai Ujiri did anything wrong. He didn't, all right? He believed and believes in the city, in the franchise, in the country. He is a man of his word, and I don't think any of this is disingenuous on his behalf. However, it's sort of like this cock tease in the beginning of the year when he's like, that narrative is over. That narrative of people not wanting to play here is over. Believe in yourself. Believe in the city. And I don't want to be that guy that sort of shits on Toronto. That is not my intention. So I ask you, is it really over? Is that narrative really gone? Or does this reinforce the narrative? That is what I'm wrestling with as a Raptors fan throughout this entire process. I, I, I believe this. I bought it. And not because I was lied to, just because it was true at the time. But now I'm thinking back and I'm like, is that true? Do people want to come here? Is that narrative over? Because if anything, this proved that you can do everything right. As a franchise, as an organization, you can do everything right. But it's not enough. Apparently, it's not enough. So I'm asking you, does this reinforce the narrative that when the trade was made, when Masayu Jerry says that narrative is over, is that now reinforced? So the question really is what you're asking. Is the narrative over or was Kawhi a genuinely special case in the sense he just wanted to go home? How that feeling that he had of wanting to go home was greater than the feeling he had of wanting to defend the title. 
So that tells me, A, that must that is so important to him that it trumps defending the title, which you and I and your listeners all agree is super fucking important. Yes. So the question then becomes, is this a Toronto issue or was this just Kawhi Leonard wanting to go home? And it's starting to look like that was the case. Do I think it has a direct effect on Toronto? Because there's people who might say, well, DeRozan re-upped twice, Lowry re-upped twice. Um, Vince Carter did sign that second contract. Chris Bosch did sign that. Uh, no, Chris Bosch didn't sign that second contract. No. I take that back. Um, JD so there signed are, an extension as well. Yeah, right? so there yeah. is the evidence of that. But then if you want to dig into that even further, is it an evidence of we need to have with particular with players like DeRozan and Carter, do they need to be homegrown in the sense that they do, they need to be drafted here in order for them to stay. That doesn't apply to Lowry, but there's almost the sense of like Lowry's career really didn't start till he came here. Almost, you know what I mean? So even though he was with other teams, we kind of view him as our homegrown star in a way. Right. So the question, but Kawhi Leonard is in a different ballpark than the players I've mentioned. He's in the the rarefied air that you would put someone like a LeBron James, like a Tim Duncan, a player who just says, get on my back. We're going to the finals and we're probably winning a ring, right? Those players, they come around once every 10 years. And we just happen to have acquired Kawhi in a trade. He didn't choose us. And when he had an opportunity to choose us, he chose going home. So if you're going to, if, if you want to take some solace in that, it's not like he left us to go to New York, right? He went to the Clippers, another well-run organization with the richest owner in all of NBA. He got his sidekick with him in Paul George, but it does look like he wanted all of that in LA. I don't think there was any realistic possibility that if I, that the sense I'm getting in the, from the stuff I'm reading, Masai Ujiri didn't have any assurances that Kawhi was staying if we acquired Paul George and Russell Westbrook. So then that question becomes, we signed them. Kawhi still bolts. We're stuck with these guys and we gave away all our draft capital for the next 10 years. Then also on the flip side of that, we do say we do acquire Paul George and Russell Westbrook and Kawhi does stay, but say he just signs a one plus one. He kind of times it maybe in a year or two, he and Paul George both leave after a couple years here. So the question then becomes would those theoretical two years been, been would be worth 10 years of forking over all our draft capital to another organization. So this is a question that I started pondering all weekend, and I don't have the answer to. When you win a title, what is the grace period before the fans start saying, oh, fuck, we really suck. We need to get better. How much time does a title buy you? Because if Paul George was traded here, he only had two years left, and then he had an option. If Kawhi came back, he signed a one plus one, he could have been gone in two years. If we won another title, would 10 years of giving away our draft assets to Oklahoma City, being stuck with Russell Westbrook's contract, would that have been worth it? 
And Masai Ujiri concluded that that is not worth it because I think he knew even if I did that deal, he wasn't getting word from Kawhi saying, yes, if you do get Paul George, I'm coming back. But on the Clippers side, he said, if you get Paul George, I'm signing. So we were used as leverage. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Here's the way I look at it. And I'm not saying you're looking at it incorrectly. I'm not saying any of that is wrong. What bothers me about this is that, let's just say for the sake of argument that Masai Ujiri had assurance from Kawhi that he would stay. Let's let's just, I, I'll take it a step further later on, but let's just say right there and then, Kawhi said to Masai, if you get Paul George, let's look at Russell Westbrook as a throw-in. If you get Paul George, I will stay. Do you, do you knowing what we'd have to give up, a, uh, a trade involving Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, and let's just say five years of picks, or five first-round picks. It can't be five years, but five first-round picks. Are you, Peter K making that deal? So five years' worth of picks, you can't be in back-to-back years, so those picks are taking us to yeah. 2029, right. and they probably all have to be unprotected. And if you're telling me Kawhi's going to sign a five-year deal— mm-hmm. I do that trade. If Kawhi's telling me he's kind of on the fence saying, well, you make the deal, I'll think about it. And maybe I'll, if Kawhi said, I will sign, I will line my contract up with Paul George leaving in two years. I would say no. And the reason I I think Masai said no, and I don't even think that was on the table for him I think we're seeing from Kawhi Leonard a little bit of what we see in LeBron James. When he goes to a team, he likes to be involved, whether he admits it or not, in roster construction, right? And if Masai Ujiri brought those players on, Masai Ujiri's handcuffed. He's handcuffed to that. Masai Ujiri, he's one of the best decision makers in the NBA, and he would be handcuffed to that team without being able to really add to it so i i'm of the opinion if even if it was just for two more years the length of george's contract and if Kawhi was here for two more years i would not do that deal if Kawhi was going to sign a five-year deal i would then do that deal i agree see that's that's the way i look at it i'm looking at it as you trade Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, and five first-round picks, obviously we'll say for the next 10 years, um, and you get in return five years of Leonard, two years of PG, and two years of Russ. I'm saying, no, it's four years of Russ. Oh, four years of Russ, even better. I thought, he, did he, I thought the, after the second year he had a player option. No, he's like four years, 170 million. I think the final year is a player option, like okay. at 50 million. So okay, right. I, I think he it's an I, I think he could like file it now. He's gonna opt in. Right, right, yeah. But even then, so we'll say four years of Russ. I'm saying yes, and I know you have this. Not you, just like Raptors fans in general have this level of concern of Russell Westbrook being some sort of locker room cancer. He's very ball dominant. Um. But I don't know. I think when you add in an element of, of a Kawhi Leonard ex player that has the mentality in this in this just shut up and play type of I don't know, I guess mentality. Um I think that would sort of mitigate that issue with Russell Westbrook because he wouldn't be the guy. He would not be the quote unquote guy on the team. And 
when you look at it that way, yeah, I'm pulling the trigger on that. But obviously, well, we know what happens. First of all, it's been reported that Russ was not on the table, contrary to other reports. Russ was not involved in these trade talks. It was just for PG. Um, I kind of want to shift the conversation over there because this is interesting. I We've never regarded Kawhi Leonard as this guy that wants to form, quote-unquote, super teams, or we just never had reports about him filtering conversations or, or having conversations with other players about potentially joining a team together. Um Right now, it looks like that has happened three times. It happened with Jimmy Butler, and it didn't work out. It happened with Kyrie Irving, and it didn't work out. And it, it happened with Paul George, and it inevitably worked out. Um, this changes my perception of how he operates and how he viewed the, the Toronto Raptors in general throughout this past season. Because if he's looking at the Raptors, and he, like you and I, we're saying if Kawhi comes back, they're running it back. They have an, an absolute clear shot of another finals run. All right? We see that. There's something that Kawhi Leonard saw on this team and said, that's probably not going to happen. I need better players. What does that say? When you are talking about possibly or arguably, however you want to look at it, the best player in the world saying the Toronto Raptors aren't good enough. Is there some validation to that now? Is there some sort of thing that we're missing that when we analyze and think about the players on our team, Kawhi Leonard said, not good enough. How does that make you feel about this team now? So that, I, 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 it, it depends on where you, you fall in the debate of why Kawhi didn't resign. I, I'm, I fall on the side. He just wanted to go home okay i can't hold that against him it sucks if this raptors roster was the clippers roster in los angeles he would resign it has nothing to do with us which a still sucks because we can't defend the title and we just lost Kawhi fucking leonard you know yeah. what i mean like players like him like the i i went to I was trying to calculate it the other day. I probably went to like 25 to 30 Raptors games this year. This was the best year I've ever had as a fan. And that was even before we won the title. I would sit in that crowd, watch Kawhi play. And the people I would be with, I would be like, oh my God, like this, this is, this guy is special. Like I've watched DeRozan. I've watched Bosch. I've watched peak Vince Carter and I remember peak Vince Carter. I'm not, I don't, it's not nostalgia to me. I remember how good he was. Kawhi was on a different level that it was almost a joy to watch this. This is what it felt like to the Boston fans in the eighties with Larry Bird, to the Lakers fans in the eighties with Magic Johnson, to the Bulls fans cheering on Michael Jordan, to having Kobe and Shaq, to having the, the Golden State Warriors. Like this was how good Kawhi is. And he essentially, he, he wanted to go home. The Clippers rumors were always there. It was the rumor, like we all know he's going to LA, was what pundits would say as soon as the trade would happen. And that's where he went. Does it hurt? Absolutely. Does it mean that he had issue with our roster? I don't think so because he wasn't even giving Masai Ujiri assurances that he would come if he did get Paul George. Right. So that goes to tell you that 
we weren't it, he Kawhi chose home over us and like i said like it's 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 it sucks it stings we'll never know the truth we were used as leverage and i think Masai Ujiri knew he was being used as leverage and also i think Masai Ujiri probably told him like we could acquire Paul George if you would resign he, I don't think he would agree. I don't still don't think Masai would have agreed to it. I think Masai, reading everything I've read online, all the articles by people in the know, I have a feeling the conversation kind of went like this. He, he found out what it would cost to get Paul George, whether or not Russell Westbrook was included. Who knows? You said it, he wasn't. And Masai Ujiri looked at it and said, This is a bad trade. Right. And I think he probably told Kawhi, this is a bad trade. Kawhi, you be great on the court. I be great at what I do. But Kawhi is starting to show that he has a little bit of that LeBron James in him where he wants to construct the roster. And there was those rumors. He reached out to Kevin Durant to join him on the Clippers. Apparently, he reached out to Kyrie. And you know what? As surprised as we were, those players all expressed surprise. Durant was like speechless when Kawhi reached out to him, saying, I didn't even know he was good. I didn't even know this was a possibility. He calls me out of the blue. And Paul George was even surprised that Kawhi reached out to him. So to me, it just shows like <laughs> a path of Kawhi just like, I need to get home. Let me go home, and I'm going to go home at whatever cost it is. And it just so happens that the Clippers are a well-run organization. Was he really going to the Lakers? Who knows? We will never know that. Um, but it, it, I'm getting the sense from everything I'm reading that we weren't really in the discussion. So you touched on a lot of things there. And the the number one thing I want to bring up is the the notion that Kawhi has a little bit of LeBron in him and that he's like superstar scouting out there. Um, that took me by surprise, much like you said about Kevin Durant and all the other players that have expressed uh, shock in that aspect. Um, it just goes to show that he kept his personality and his, I don't want to say true self because I think that's a little dramatic, but his his desires in terms of a basketball aspect um, to himself, and he never really shared that with anybody to the point where I, I made this point before. I, I said, are we sure that Kawhi is not about the super team aspect because he's never said that, and that's something that we sort of assume. And we are still sort of assuming that moving forward only because he didn't join the Lakers or he wasn't as eager to join the Lakers. Um, I don't know. When you say things like, it, it, the the aspect of going home trumped anything else. It makes me wonder. Now, let's just play the what-if game real quick because it's fun and we want to cover all the angles here. If the Clippers didn't get Paul George, is Kawhi a Laker? That's the million-dollar question. Where did we fall on the pecking order of, of choices? Were we the second choice? And... If we were the second choice, were we a legit second choice? Was that like even a possibility? Or that Kawhi Leonard, no, I'm a superstar. I could tell the Clippers, look, I ain't coming, even though I might want to really come, even if you don't get anyone. I'm not coming unless you get Paul George. I'm going to go across the hall to the Lakers. And if it was any other team than the Lakers, the Clippers probably wouldn't have put in 
the greatest transactional trade in NBA history in terms of the number of assets they give up. Right. I think there was so many circumstantial things that allowed this to happen. If the Lakers didn't have cap room, and I don't think that Paul George goes for that price, and I also think Masai Jerry was a little complicit in sort of getting the asking price as high as possible, which is which is ultimate Masai Jerry. So kudos to Masai Jerry for that. But also it's we're I, I don't know the answer to that. My my personal opinion is I don't I don't think Kawhi wanted to play with LeBron James. I think Kawhi wants to be in competition with LeBron James. If Kawhi wins a title with the Lakers, all that means is that LeBron still has one more ring than him. I think these guys, when you're a player like Kawhi Leonard and you're of that caliber, you measure yourself against somebody like LeBron James. Sure, he brought in Paul George, but Paul George is number two option. That There's no even discussion about that. Kawhi's the star player. They win, it's because of Kawhi Leonard. Paul George, you're taking a backseat. You're the number two. You're going to win us a lot of games. We're going to be a defensive nightmare. But when we win, it's because of Kawhi Leonard. If Kawhi Leonard goes on the Lakers, they win. Who knows? It, it, people probably credit LeBron James. He's more, he's a more popular cultural figure than Kawhi Leonard. So I, I think, I don't even think Kawhi really knew what he was going to do potentially if the Clippers were not an option. And I think, I think the Raptors possibly were probably just a hair ahead of the Lakers. What do you think? Yes. And the thing is, is that if it wasn't, <sighs> I don't know how to phrase this. If if he didn't join the Lakers and the Raptors were the clear-cut number two and Paul George wasn't acquired by the Clippers, then it's not an aspect of him just wanting to go home. It's not. Right? It, it, it's, it's what team can get me there under the best circumstances. And I understand going home is an added bonus, but if the Lakers were just the number three on the pecking order, I don't want to play with LeBron. I don't want to be in that mess with the front office. I don't want anything to do with that. Then it's not, he just wanted to go home. It's he wanted to play beside another superstar. That's just the way I see it. If the Raptors were the clear number two. Yeah. And (laughs) And I think it's it's obviously as the Paul George situation showed us that you don't even need to be a free agent anymore to like switch teams, right? Like Paul George had three years left on his deal and he walks in and says, trade me and he gets traded. And the thing I keep coming back to is the fact that Paul George can create that out of nowhere and suddenly be on the team he wants. If Kawhi Leonard wanted to be in Toronto, he could have signed. And then had star players say, look, similar like Anthony Davis, I want to go to the Lakers. Yeah. Paul George, I want to go to the Clippers. Like, con- contracts mean nothing anymore. Kawhi Leonard could sign here for five years. One year later, say, trade me to the Clippers. And we trade him to the Clippers because that's what you do when a star player asks to be traded. If he signed here and he gave his commitment to Masai, Masai would probably have done everything to bring in Paul George with a deal that Masai Ujiri felt comfortable with. And that was the, I, I, I'm starting to get like a lot of dynamics of play that Masai Ujiri didn't want Kawhi Leonard to be building the team. He wanted to be building the team. So 
it just like you, a star player, like you can sign Kawhi. He could say, you know what? I want Paul George. You get Paul George. You'll make himself available. So that's why I keep coming back to a, as much as I said, yes, the Raptors were in second, but what does second place even really mean? It means you're the first loser, mm. right? As my, as my friend Omar would say every time I always jokingly say something, like, oh, we finished second, we finished third. He's like, oh, that just means you're the first or second loser. <laughs> so um, so what does it really mean? Like, oh, we were second. Like, what? that doesn't mean we still have Kawhi. That doesn't mean we have a title to defend. It just, it doesn't mean anything really right and i keep coming back to if Kawhi wanted to be here he would have been here and he would have found a way if he wanted to play with whoever and just hey paul george hey you know what trade me to the raptors uh, i want to be with the raptors now similar to how davis wanted to be with the lakers right like it just he was bound for the clippers it seems regardless and it was a perfect storm of events that led to that with the clippers having the cap space available obviously strategically because they probably got like winks and nods from Kawhi's camp, right? Like they're not suddenly made aware that Kawhi wants to go to them. There, there's back channels, right? And we don't know what those discussions are, but he didn't choose us. He had the opportunity to choose us and he didn't. That doesn't devalue the title in any sense because titles are forever, but it still fucking sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And th- this is, We'll wrap up the whole tinfoil stuff, but having, you know, listen to how you describe the the state of the NBA and the players, um, you know, pretty much running the show and contracts not meeting jack shit. Um, you're right. You're absolutely bang on about it. And it makes you wonder, like all these things sort of trickle into my mind about what has corresponded with the past couple of months or the last year, rather, as to like, what did this really mean? Like, you think it means one thing, but then you you look at it in hindsight, given the circumstances of today, not to get all philosophical, but, but you're, you revisit it and you say, maybe he meant something completely different. And what I mean is, do you... Do you think Kawhi was saying, when, when Kawhi asked Masai, are you going to be in Toronto next year? Do you think he was like, all right, fuck, I'm out because this, guy's, this guy has all the control. This guy controls the team. I don't have as much leeway as I would like with the Masai Ujiri. Do you think that's what he meant when he asked Masai, are you going to be here next year? No, I, 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 I don't think that. I think he had a relationship, a good relationship with Musaya Jiri, and that was a plus. We don't know the answer to that question, right? Mm-hmm. We assume the answer is yes. Masai Ujiri, he said it at his end of his press conference saying, I'm here. I love being here. And he, he couldn't have made it crystal clear. Like it even got to the point with those Wizards rumors where the Wizards had to release a statement because it was probably causing confusion in their recruitment for Kawhi Leonard. Right. So I do think that was a plus in our favor. And I'll also tell you this, like, how old is Paul George? 30? Yeah, 29. Masai Ujiri's like, I want to, you know, I'm going to have to part with Siakam, probably Van Fleet, maybe who knows what else, right? And I can, Masai Ujiri has a credible argument to say, I think Pascal Siakam is better than Paul George over the next five years. And Masai Ujiri's probably like, I don't want to do this deal. Like, you're, the, you're great. You play on the court. If you want to be here in Toronto, 
you, this is not going to be a LeDro- LeBron James situation where I'm paying Tristan Thompson $80 million, J.R. Smith $60 million, or whatever the hell J.R. Smith makes. <laughs> it's you have to trust me. And your inclination might be, Paul George is better now. You're not worried about two years from now. You're worried about winning the title next year. Masai Ujiri is worrying about winning you five titles, six titles. And if you're asking me right now, regardless of this situation, who would you rather have for the next five, six years? I'm picking Pascal Siakam. I can't disagree. You know, like I, I've, it's really difficult for me to play devil's advocate when it comes to this. It really is. It's because the longevity, the the aspect of superstars meshing well together has historically not been kind. Like, I'm sure there are some examples where it's worked out, i.e., like, say, Boston or L.A. with Kobe and Shaq and the big three in Miami. And you can label Golden State, too. But there have been circumstances in which you have these superstar players with this pre-Madonna attitude that just don't work out. Look at the Celtics this past year. Kyrie Irving messed up that entire locker room, that entire feel of that franchise. There's nothing to say that Paul George won't do the same for the Clippers. I understand that they're the betting favorites right now. And on paper, they're one of the top two, if not the top team in the NBA, depending on how you want to gauge the Lakers moving forward. But it is this sort of dynamic that you have to balance out and say what is better for the organization in the long haul. And what it, what Masai Ujiri has done has always been operating on that philosophy. Masai Ujiri is not the kind of guy that fucks his future and says this is a future GM problem, this is a future president problem that's not named Masai Ujiri because I'm going to be out of here in two years or whatever. That's their problem moving forward. That's never how he's operated, ever. And I do give him credit for standing his ground and saying, this might not look good in terms of, say, season ticket sales moving forward. This might not generate a lot of excitement. In fact, it might be downright depressing, hence the episode we're covering right now. Damn, Adam, I'm I'm emotional. (laughs) But, you know, he is saying I have to look out for the best interest of the organization. In the best interest of organization, holding on to your young talent, holding on to your MIP, and not selling high and recognizing that there is still untapped ceiling in Pascal Siakam moving forward. You have to give him credit for standing his ground. Exactly. And that's the thing, right? And it comes back to, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, the question that I've been grappling with, what's the grace period that a title brings you? So fall, like if, if we're playing the what if game, follow me down this road, Adam, sure. suddenly we're, we're here right this moment. We're talking about Paul George and Russell, Russell Westbrook on this team. Kawhi signed a two-year deal. Paul George is here for two more years. Say we win one more title. They bolt from 2021 to 2029. We're rebuilding. And every single one of our picks is going to Oklahoma City, either unprotected or through a pick swap. So my question is, in 2029, Adam, when we're recording a podcast in this hypothetical universe I just mentioned, and the Raptors have been shit for nine years, and those whole nine years, the OKC is reaping the benefits of our shittiness, (laughs) are we saying, well, we won the 2020 title? So how long, I'm, I'm genuinely curious, how long? Does this title buy us as a grace period before we start saying we need to win again? 
Is it five years? Is it four years? Is it ten years? I don't. And that's the that's the that's the equation that Musayu Jiri was battling. And he he said this is not what this is a bad trade. I'm not putting my name on that. I don't make bad trades. And that's the question. So how long does a title buy you? And what what, what is your opinion? I, I'm curious. In a strict basketball sense, right? In a strict objective basketball sense, in a vacuum, I would say two, three years, right? But given the instant gratification that this society as a whole is experiencing right now, and given how the landscape has changed in Toronto sports, I think it needs to be a little quicker. I think that the pedal needs to be on the gas. Maybe you can have like a lull this year because if things, and we'll tap into this in more detail a little bit later, but if things stay the same right now, this team is still a playoff team as constructed. It's still a playoff team. Is it a title contender? No. But is it a playoff team? Yeah. And that's, I feel, for lack of a better way to put it, good enough for now, for this year. It's good enough. It'd be downright embarrassing if after winning the championship, they fall out of eighth place and don't even make the playoffs. That's downright embarrassing. But I do think, given that the city has tasted it, and given that MLSE has tasted it, and now know not just like the popularity of the sport, but in a business aspect, the money that can be made through this sport for MLSE, I feel like expectations are a little higher. So given the Toronto Raptors circumstances, be it regional or financial, business-wise, however you want to put it, I think the grace period, max, two, three years. So what you're telling me then is in 2029, when Paul George and Kawhi have long retired, you wouldn't be too happy if we were the worst team in the league and we're giving our picks away to Oklahoma for a decade. I'd be pissed. And that's so that's the calculation that Masai Ujiri made. And I'll also say this. What happens from this point forward? It's almost like a choose your adventure. We honestly don't know what this roster is going to be like in October. But let's just say that with the signings Masai Ujiri did, if I'm reading the tea leaves, I'm kind of getting the sense that he's in, he, he might be okay with running it back and gauging trade value throughout the season for the expiring contracts. And let me say this, Adam, let me go full fucking Toronto Homer on you. Do it. This roster as is, we're the third best team in the East. You got Milwaukee and Philadelphia above us. We're in the same ballpark as Indiana, Boston, and Brooklyn with this team as is. So hypothetically, everything goes well. Siakam, takes another leap being the highlight of this offense. And it would be an excellent opportunity to see how Lowry Gasol and Ibaka fit in this offense with Siakam as the best player and see what that yields you. Cause who, who knows what Siakam can be next year, an all-star that's in play averaging over 25 points a game. That's in play averaging eight rebounds, five assists, being considered one of the top 10 players in the league. Those are things we thought like a month ago. So that has not changed. This roster as presently constructed, assuming all health, we're the third best team in the East. And let's, and we could be a pesky first, second round out with the smallest glimmer of hope of 
The East is wide open. Who knows what can happen? Maybe Siakam can make a claim to being the second best player in the East behind Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? there. This is me being full homer. This is me being everything hits kind of like how this season hit. And I can't see a reason why with this team, we wouldn't be in contention for a home court advantage in the first round. Tell me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. You're absolutely not wrong because I do think the East is wide open right now. And I know like contractually things are going to change come the 2020-2021 season. I get that. But in terms of the immediate aspect of the 2019-2020 season, I do think the East is a little bit, if not a whole lot of wide openness moving forward. And I do think that, yeah, Milwaukee and Philadelphia, I would agree with you. I think they're the top two teams in the East in that order right now, as things are constructed right now. Um but I, I don't think the Raptors are... I know people love the sexy signing of Kemba Walker to Boston. And that, to their credit, that's good. I do think Kemba is a better fit there than Kyrie. However, like if we're just breaking down Boston, Brad Stevens doesn't have a really good track record of bringing on superstars and having them adopt into the system. Okay? like that, th- There are legitimate question marks when it comes to Boston. Uh, Indiana, they look really good on paper, but are we sure that's going to work out? Like the, I don't know. It, it just seems like the Raptors are the clear cut number three right now. And maybe that is me being a homer and loving my team too much. Do it, Adam. Embrace it. I'm embracing it. I don't think Brooklyn's going to be that good next year. KD's not going to be there. And all I'm seeing right now is the Celtics 2.0 with Kyrie Irving. You look at this Brooklyn team right now, and you cannot convince me that is not that different than the Celtics team we just saw him on. It seems like the exact same circumstances. So, no, I do think the Raptors are the clear-cut number three moving forward. It's the playoffs that gets me because you see the difference that Kawhi has made in the playoffs it would have to be an astronomical leap forward for pascal siakam do i think he's capable of it of course but can i really just bank on that moving forward no i need to like step back a little bit and say i need to see it first do i believe he can do it yes but am i 100 no doubt about it convinced not quite yet those, those are all good points that you make but it, you know like and that's the thing that's a path that Masai Ujiri can make. And then there's also the path where it's like, well, we got like 80 million in ex- 90 million in expiring deals, right? And may, like, I don't know what that means. Like, people, that means just we're just going to, if so, like, hypothetically, we stay as is, Lowry, Ibaka, Gasol, they all come off the books, we have 90 million. Like, I'm this, I'm kind of curious to see how Gasol, Ibaka, Lowry play around a Siakam who's sort of highlighted in the offense. And there's almost like this, it's either Lowry and them are with us or or they're traded. They're, they're expiring contracts. It's like, well, why can't we resign them at a, a year from now? Lowry for 15 million, Ibaka for 15 million, Gasol for 15 million. That's 45 million out of the potential 90 million they were making a year ago. I just don't understand why it's like, oh, we got to trade them. We got to get a, a late first round pick or two second round picks. Like, no, that's not enough. I, I think Masai Ujiri is going to be patient with this. He's not suddenly going to start calling people and say, yeah, I'll trade you Lowry for a very protected pick that might be 25, 26, 27. No, that's not enough for Lowry. I think Masai Ujiri will be patient. Maybe. 
maybe Utah. Mike Connolly sprains his ACL. He's out for the year. Utah's desperate. They might they, they could see the title. They need to get Lowry. You know, we're, we're going to give you four or five draft picks for it because we're so desperate to keep this momentum going. We saw it with Portland. Nurkic got injured, broke his leg. Well, suddenly Gasol and Ibaka are worth a lot more now. Yeah. Like they have their trade value is next to nothing right now. And I would not trade these guys for second round picks and just to get them off the books because there's a world where Lowry spends his whole career here on a team friendly deal, making 10, 15 million. And I have no issue with that because I imagine at some point Lowry's going to transition for being the all-star, the leader, the floor general to being a six man in an ideal world where he stays, right? Like it almost seems like it's either or when you talk to people about, Oh, we trade them all. They're expiring contracts. It's like, well, why can't they come back at a reduced rate if they fit well with Siakam? Let's transition to that. Let, let's uh, before we do, before we unpack all that. Is there anything else that you want to say about Kawhi Leonard? I don't want to just like take that off of you because I know you're passionate about this. Is there anything else you want to say about Kawhi leaving? Yeah, you know, like this is. I, I genuinely need to say this. Fuck you, Kawhi. <laughs> I love it. All right, all right. It's in the record book. It's in audio. All right. So fuck Kawhi. Um, let's. Let, I I do want to piggyback off of what you just said and talk about the future of the Raptors and what they have to do. Um, I'm in full agreement with you. I don't think they need to do anything rash. I don't think they need to do anything in the immediate term in in terms of uh, trading expiring contracts. I know that's the knee-jerk reaction to a lot of people because automatically in people's minds, right or wrong, they are not title contenders. So they think, well, since we're not title contenders and since we just won the NBA title, we should just trade all the guys that have value in order to recoup that in order to reestablish the system moving forward so we have a better shot sooner rather than later. I understand all that. But for everything that the Raptors have going for them, right, you still have an all-star in Kyle Lowry. You still have Serge Ibaka who proved valuable off the bench. You still have Marcus Gasol who proved extremely valuable in certain situations uh, with the Toronto Raptors as the starting center, i.e. against Embiid, right? You still had these players. You still have Pascal Siakam as we talked about at length in terms of his growth and his potential moving forward. And yes, you still have Fred Van Vliet who's been uh, quite the addition to this team and has, you know, he's had his hiccups, but moving forward, I still think he's valuable and someone that you can build around. And oh yeah, you still have OG and Anobi. This is why I still think this team is still sort of in it. They're not title contenders on paper. I'll I'll yield to that, but they're still in it. They're still playoff teams. Um, Having said that, I don't think they need to do anything right now. Like, I don't think they need to make trades. I don't think Masai Ujiri needs to be aggressive right now. You need to trust the patients. If come January, they're, they're just out of it. They're hovering seventh and eighth. That's bad. Like, you don't want to be that team that finishes seventh and eighth and gets booted out, and then you're right in the middle in the draft order. You don't want that. Like, you you still want to have chips in the bank. You want that. So in that situation, then I'm thinking, okay, I can see a case for moving guys and having them in certain situations in which they'll thrive. As you mentioned, like, anything can happen. Injuries could happen. A team's making An unexpected team is making a playoff push, maybe like a Miami and they need a point guard, and Kyle Lowry will fit in right there, assuming Russell Westbrook doesn't go there. So there are situations in which this makes sense. Right now, it doesn't make sense. So having said that, it just seems obvious that the the, the clear-cut solution today 
is to just run what you have back and just keep your fingers crossed and hope for the best. Yeah, like that's the thing, right? Masai Ujiri doesn't Masai Ujiri doesn't strike me as an impatient person, right? He recognizes that everyone soaked up all their cap space and dealt all their draft picks for the star players that they wanted to have or the role players that they wanted to have. There's no rush to trade Lowry, Ibaka, and Gasol because you know what? They're three really good players. You know what I mean? Like we see, like you said, we saw what Gasol did in the playoffs and who knows who we match up with someone in the first round and he's able to, to slow them down a little and who knows what that means, right? Like there's no rush to suddenly just have like a clearing, a clearance sale. Right? Like teams become desperate throughout the year. Situations arise throughout the year. Who's the next star player that becomes available in the year who suddenly gets happy, who gets unhappy and wants to move? And then that franchise is just looking for expiring contracts just to get out of everything, right? Like you, the, the, what this free agency, what this Kawhi situation taught me is everything. Just, flips on a dime like we don't know what the narrative of the nba season will be a month from now we don't know what it's going to be in january we don't know if Giannis on opening day is going to break his leg he's out for the season in an opening like you can't make you can't build your raw you like the raptors are in a unique position that like you said they have these great young players we have van fleet we have siakam maybe we have norman powell who knows and maybe og ananobi takes that leap that Siakam took that Fred Van Fleet took and suddenly he's a consistent 15 17 point scorer a night right like you you, you any that what this has taught me is that anything can happen and you're better off holding your chips instead waiting for the right moment to strike instead of being like hey guys here's my cards are they better than yours can you give me a second round pick for Lowry please like no like that's not the way this works like and if they do come off the books, who's to say we're not going to resign them? And like, who's even available next year? And like, I know we we've joked on about Twitter, like, hey, Giannis, twenty twenty one, like, you know, like I I believe if there's smoke, there's fire. I'm not saying that's going to happen, and I'm not a delusional fan who's hanging my hat on that. But that's two years from now. I'm not even going to think about that. Like, this what the NBA just showed me is like what you thought going to bed is not what is the reality when you wake up. Like when we woke up, yes, there was a chance Kawhi could have left. But the thing that like, what? I was like, Paul George got traded. What? Like these things happen. And the rat Masai Ujiri knows he has assets. He has valuable expiring contracts and not just expiring contracts, world champion players who can make an impact. We acquired Marc Gasol. I honestly don't think we don't. I honestly don't think we eliminate Philly if we don't have Marc Gasol. True. So you're telling me he has no value in the middle of the season. He has no value to us in a potentially like we were saying a wide open East where anything can happen. What if Milwaukee and Philadelphia have to play each other in the second round? Like we had to play Philadelphia in the second round this year, like anything is possible and you can't give away these players now because nothing, we don't know that you need to let the season unfold a little. Yeah. Yeah. I think the grace period for, in terms of, uh, you know, reassessing the roster would take place around January and then you filter it in through February at the trade deadline. But, you know, it, it just, 
you're right. You never know. Circumstances change. Um, you maybe, and I'm being dead serious about this. Maybe there's a, there's a superstar player right out there that is on a team right now. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but like there's a superstar player out there that is just not happy in the situation that he's in and he wants out. Who's to say that Masai doesn't swoop in and say, no, I'm, I'm going to do this again. And maybe this player doesn't have an expiring contract. Maybe this player is is on, you know, under contract for another year or two after this, and it makes the Raptors just better after that. There are situations in which this could happen. But you mentioned something, you know, interesting, and I've seen this a lot on Twitter, and I'm sorry, like, I don't mean to be that guy that, like, shits on people's parades, but... You mentioned Giannis. I don't want any of that. Am I saying I don't want Giannis? No. Of course I would love to have Giannis on this team. I would love it. And do I expect the Raptors and Masai to make a push for Giannis to come to Toronto? Absolutely. They would not be doing their jobs if they didn't. But I do not want to be this fan. I do not want to be this fan that has this tank for Wiggins attitude 2.0. I don't want it. That is failure to me. That is just like, hey, we're back in the shithole. Let's hope for something moving forward. I don't want that. That's such a Knicks mentality. Just wait for Giannis to be a free agent. He's ours. There's no guarantee of that. I want to deal with what's in front of us right now, and I want to take it day by day. I'm not saying there's not a chance that Giannis doesn't come to Toronto. I just don't want to bank on it. And I see people on Twitter having that reaction. They are banking on Giannis coming to Toronto. I do not see that happening. Yeah, like, obviously, like, yeah, if that's your prime focus and you've suddenly become convinced that's happening, then that's 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 delusional or it's either just hope, right? You need a little bit of hope in a moment like this. I can empathize with that, but I'm, I'm with you. Oh, let's, let's tank. Okay. So you wanted to tank. Like you were saying, okay, we got Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins sucks. Yes. Okay. Let's tank. Let's get the first pick. Okay. We got Markel Fultz. Oh, Markel Fultz is broken. He's not playing in the NBA anymore. Like there's no answers. Like that's what every, this is what bugs me as someone who follows the NBA and the league closely. It's these, Forgive me, Adam. I'm emotional. These stupid people who say, oh, let's just trade him for draft picks. Yeah. Okay, like, what does that mean? Oh, trade Ben Simmons for shooters. Like, who? Construct the trade for me. Tell me who you're trading him to, and tell me the three or four shooters you're getting back. It's like, things don't just say, it's like this magical elixir. Oh, we're going to trade them for draft picks. And you know who those draft picks turn into? Markel Fultz. Yeah. Andrew Wiggins. Andrea Bargnani. Like, there's no... mad. Put some... This is... Like, you were ranting against the people saying the Giannis this is my rant stop with that stupidity of let's just trade him for draft picks because that means nothing we've just seen like Pascal Siakam was taken 27th and he has a case for probably being the best player of that draft class I'd rather have Pascal Siakam over Ben Simmons I, I think they're the same draft class 20 whatever it was like you know what I mean like yeah. this is a crapshoot like the these players come from college one year in. It's not like the eighties and nineties where they played three and four years and they were already a pack. You knew who they were when you were getting them. This is a gamble. That's why we're seeing more and more lottery picks flame out. Marquise Chris, a uh, Dragon Bender, Josh Jackson. Sure, that's all on Phoenix, which must suck to be a Phoenix fan. <laughs> but you get my point, right? Like, just because you have a top pick doesn't mean anything. 
You know what I mean? Maybe it's Greg Oden. It's nothing. And I'm not willing to part with franchise icons like Lowry for like a couple second round picks. Like, yes, you could say, oh, well, Draymond and Rudy Gobert and Norman Powell, they turned into that. Yeah, those are the those are the rare exceptions. Yes. That yes. People don't talk about the 99% of the other second round picks who are out of the league from now, who are out of the league now, right? Like, so my advice, if, Messiah Jerry's listening, and I'm sure he doesn't even need our advice. And because this is how his his modus operandi, he's patient. He's got a whiteboard somewhere right now. And I said this on your last podcast. He's got a whiteboard with a path to another championship because that's what he said. He's like, I'm building for a second championship, and that's how Messiah Jerry thinks. Is that going to happen next year? Probably not. But he has a blueprint that leads to the next title and there is so much unknown about the nba it it, it changes overnight and who knows who becomes available who knows who pops and has a siakam like break on our team this year is that oh gee is fred van fleet gonna take another leap is siakam gonna suddenly take another leap and be like oh my god he's he's like dark horse mvp candidate like this is a fun spot to be in this is almost like the perfect raptors dna spot to be in we're a frisky team we got a young star we just won a title our best player left i couldn't think of anything more toronto raptors than that for sure and you know what you just described something that if i'm a toronto raptors fan which i am uh i have a lot of hope are you sure adam i don't know No, I'm just saying, like, if you're a Toronto Raptors fan, a fan out there that is a sort of void of hope and you, you just see everything glass half empty, just consider this, right? Masai Ujiri, he saw his team get swept by the Cleveland Cavaliers, and it was reported, and he didn't really shy away from it, that he was just pissed off, right? He fired the coach of the year. He traded his franchise player in order to bring a championship because he was that pissed off of the situation that Toronto was repeatedly experiencing. Think about how pissed off and motivated he is right now. Think about how pissed off and motivated he is after doing everything possible to keep Kawhi Leonard. And to our credit and to everybody reporting on the situation, he did everything right to keep him here. And he didn't get it done. Think about how pissed off he is. I'd rather have a pissed off, motivated Masai Ujiri than a stagnant, fat and happy, I'm holding the Larry OB Masai Ujiri. That's just my opinion. No, you are absolutely right. Like, and I think we kind of saw a little of this Masayu Jerry, who was totally happy to let Oklahoma raise the asking price from the Clippers, right? right. Like, he's like, yeah, sure, you're going to get Kawhi Paul, George, you're probably going to be the favorites, and you probably might win the title. But in five, six years from now, if Kawhi and Paul George have left like LeBron's left because you got no assets, you're, you're, suddenly, you're suddenly not doing very well. So I think I think we saw a little bit of that Messiah who was more than happy to let Sam Presti give the illusion to the Clippers that Messiah Jury was ready to bite. I love it. You know, like having these these podcasts with you, especially like and now that we're doing a therapy session redux, like it for me it's just like it certainly shifts my mentality, right? Like I'm I'm sure maybe you but for me 
the start of this episode, I was just like, fuck, man, Kawhi is gone. Like, what do we do? The, the state of the franchise is such disarray. Like, it's probably chaos in there. And having, like, panned this all out, and I hope the listeners feel the same way, having panned everything out and considered everything, it's really not that bad of a situation. And I know it seems really bad because the title aspirations aren't nearly as high as they would be if Kawhi was on the team. That seems obvious. But... It doesn't mean it's going to be boring. It do, you could be the Brooklyn Nets of, of the past couple years going into this year. You could be the New York Knicks for the past five years, and you're not. You're still in a better situation. You're still sort of in it. And the, and the season this year, it wouldn't surprise me if they won between 45 and 50 games. And that is something that a couple of years ago I'd be like, fuck yeah, that's my team. They did it. They won 45 to 50 games. Let's go. Like, for me, that there's something valuable in that and there's something exciting about the state of unknown in a way about this team moving forward and about the aspirations that we could have on this team because I do think that Masai Ujiri is legitimately genuine when he says that he's hungry for his second championship and anybody that doubts this man man you you must be hopping on the bandwagon very early or if not very recently because this man is dedicated to this team, dedicated to the city, and he's just ruthless when it comes to a path to a championship. You're absolutely right. And Adam, this this season, this is house money. We're the champions. You can't take that away from us. Kawhi, he left to LA. That doesn't mean anything. We are still the champions. The fans are still going to come out next year and support this team because we have another star in the making in Pascal Siakam. And I do believe that he's a star and I think it's okay to question whether he can make that leap or not because we're in doubt now. Like we didn't think Clyde's leaving. He's he left, but it's important to remember what Siakam did in the NBA finals. Yes. Kawhi Leonard was the finals MVP because without him, we don't get through the first three rounds at all. But that finals, that was a team effort. How, Siakam, what did he go off in game one? Am I, if I remember correctly, he had like 32 points, yeah, right? he went off, yeah. Lowry is, it painted his masterpiece in game six. The finals was a team effort. And these guys, if Musai Ujiri brings them all back, they now have a championship DNA. It gets, the game is tight. The playoff game is tight. They've been there before. They're playing with house money. Oh, we lost. Oh, well, we have the championship. There was nothing expected of us. Oh, well, that's what happens. And, you know, buckle up. Who knows what's going to happen? We have great young players. I'm curious to see what Siakam does. I'm curious to see the leap OG Ananobi makes. And I'm curious to see how Messiah Jury builds this team, a master NBA chess player with a fucking chip on his shoulder. Not just that, man, but like it, it was released today. Uh, props to, to Blake Murphy. Patrick McCall's coming back. He's got championship DNA written all over him. It's pretty <laughs> much a guaranteed win for the championship if you have Patrick McCall on your team. So there you go. There you go. You know, like we have to play the games, right? Injuries can happen to other teams that suddenly create an opening. And yeah, it's okay to feel right now that we feel down. And like I said at the beginning, like, fuck, we don't even get to defend our title. That sucks. Like, you know, once that ball tips game one, we're all in. Here's something that I think will brighten your spirits and we can wrap it up. Peter, as much as people want to doubt this, 
I'm going to be on record on audio and say, I guarantee you the Toronto Raptors will have a Christmas Day game in 2019. Oh, man. I hope you're right, Adam. I'm wavering on that. I guarantee like, it. Oh, come on, Adam Silver. You owe us. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, it'd be the first time that the NBA, the defending NBA champions aren't on Christmas Day. So, like, you have to do it, right? What are you going to have? Like, Minnesota be back on Christmas Day or OKC with just Russ on Christmas Day? Doesn't make sense to me. I, I do think that Toronto's time is now and they're going to have a Christmas Day game. So, they're having, if I'm so confident in that and if that comes into fruition, you can't hate on this season. You just can't because then that's another milestone that the Toronto Raptors have accomplished and we have it. We have a Christmas Day game. And whether or not they're championship contenders or not, I want to see these goddamn Raptors on Christmas Day. Adam, I hope you're right. I'll, I'll even take a noon game if that's what it takes. <laughs> but it's like it's almost like if we don't get the Christmas Day game, it's like kicking us when we're down, right? Like... I'll be very, very curious if if we do get one. I'm not ready to make a, a prediction like you did, but I, I I do hope you're right, and I and I love I love the your your homerific spirit. Well, look, if if we don't get a Christmas Day game, we're guaranteed a Boxing Day game. So there you go. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, we can wrap it up here. I don't want to hold you too much longer, but I I do want to ask. I, do you feel better about the situation now that that we hashed it out and we had this therapy session redux? Are, are you good now? I think I needed this more than you did, Adam. I didn't realize <laughs> I needed this. I think I think last year when we did it, we were both raw, but I think you might have needed it a little bit more. And I think the tables have turned this year where you're on the I'm lying down on the couch, you're on the chair and I'm I'm gonna be curious to listen back to this because I feel like I was all over the place. Nah, nah, it was structured. We're good. But <laughs> look, man, anything that I can do, or you know, any type of therapy session that we can, as a collective unit, you and I can do to sort of ease the worries of not just you but other Toronto Raptors fans as well. That's what we're here for. That's what we do. And I don't think it's all doom and gloom. The sky isn't gray. It's okay. As far as I know, I looked outside my house, and we are still the mother fucking NBA champions. There is a flag on my house that proves that. I have two beer koozies in my basement right now that says Toronto Raptors 2019 NBA champions. I have a t-shirt upstairs that says 2009 NBA champions and I have a hat on my wall that says 2019 NBA champions. We are still champions. That will never be taken away from us no matter where Kawhi Leonard goes, no matter if we trade away people on the team right now, we are still champions. And that banner in the Raptors at the Scotiabank Arena will fucking fly forever. We are okay. You're absolutely right, man. Titles are forever. We're gonna enjoy this. We're gonna have a a lap year next year where we're the we're the we're the championship. And who knows that that second title might be. We might not have to wait 24, 25 years for it like we did for this one. All I ask is that a player on the Toronto Raptors does not pull a Tristan Thompson and say the East runs through Toronto. Just don't do that. <laughs> just, just just, be humble about it and, and just defend the championship with pride. Exactly. Let's do it. Quiet pride. Surprise people. And then it's like, oh, man, these the Raptors, they're, they're a frisky out. They're, they're a little more friskier than I thought they would be. That's, That's Toronto DNA. Let's do that. 
All right. Well, we'll wrap it up here. Peter, I appreciate you coming on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I still am planning on, and it's in the works, making that trip up to Toronto to preview the season in October. I will see you then. If I don't talk to you before then, I'm sure I will. But in the event that I don't, I I anticipate that, and I'm looking forward to that. But for the sake of this episode, you know the deal. Promote anything you got going on, where people can find you on Twitter. The floor is yours, my friend. Absolutely, Adam. And I hope your schedule, you know, your October schedule falls into place perfectly. And we're at the game when they, they, they hang this glorious banner that you just described so perfectly. Let's do it. You can find my work at lifeinrepeat.com. I'm going to have a column up in the next couple of days called the seven stages of Kawhi grief, <laughs> where it's, 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 I run the gamut of emotions similarly, like I did tonight. Uh, you can find me on Twitter on Twitter at Life in Repeat. Give me a follow. I'm always happy to chat Raptors. And Adam, before I go, can I paint an audio picture for you? Of course. The floor is yours, man. So picture me standing beside Kawhi Leonard. Can you picture that? I can. I'm obviously wearing my Life in Repeat t-shirt, as you can imagine. <laughs> obviously. And then picture me and Kawhi Leonard standing on the set of... The Barber Shop, hosted by Brutus the Barber Beefcake. <laughs> then picture me grabbing Kawhi and throwing him through the Barber Shop window. Now hit my music. I think I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. I've got the looks. The drives are going wild. I've got the mood. That really move them. I said chill. Up and down their spine I'm just a sexy boy I'm not your boy toy I'm just a sexy boy I'm not your boy toy Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Jays and Raptors. I'm just a sexy boy. Not your boy toy. It's your hard eyed girls. Hands off the merchandise.